what you want, when you want it, where you want it. This is The Mesh. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Exchange on The Mesh Podcast Network, a monthly conversation about startups and small business with ideas, tools, and advice to operate your business more effectively. On today's show, we're on top of the next hot business trend that you can take advantage of, retail arbitrage, which could be your next side hustle and could be even more lucrative than my online gambling addiction. Our guest today is Joshua Lysak with Entrepreneur's Wordsmith. Joshua is a certified ghostwriter, and we'll talk to him about authority building and answer the critical questions. What is authority building? And what does a ghostwriter do to get certified? Finally, we'll wind up with our Small Business of the Month feature, where we'll highlight some interesting businesses that you should be checking out. My name is Jeff Newville. I'm your co-host and director of the Small Business Center at Catawba Valley Community College in Hickory, North Carolina. I'm joined by my co-host, Gary Muller, who is dean of the School of Business, Industry, and Technology at Catawba Valley Community College. Gary, how you hanging? Jeff, I'm hanging well. I'm a little soggy. It rains here every day. I didn't know I moved to Seattle. I know it's uh, it's been challenging, and and today is the first day of March. Is that is, is that the Ides of March, or is that a different day? My my Shakespeare is not good. I, you know, I don't know Shakespeare. Okay, but I've heard of it. Okay, yeah. Well, he's he's an up and comer. Yeah, he played for Duke, didn't he? Yeah. Well, they get all the good guys. Yeah, you know, but okay. They don't stay long. No, that's right. So. It's one and done. Anyway, so things are going well with you. Going well. Getting ready for skills. Getting ready for Skills USA. Yes. And you'll be taking teams of high school students, college students to compete in various vocations, entrepreneurship, a little bit of everything. Yes, exactly. And we'll highlight the entrepreneurship team because you had two national champions last year. So we're very proud of you and well, your team. Well, it's, a, it's always a team effort, you know. There's no I in team. <laughs> so... But, I don't spell well. Okay. Well, so, not, so we, we know you're not good with Shakespeare or spelling. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll find English your, was not a... We'll find your strength. There we bear go. with us, listeners. I mentioned retail arbitrage, which I read about in a Washington Post article by Rachel Siegel. Rachel followed people who have created their own businesses by finding gaps in the market. They can purchase products on sale or being closed out at the big box stores, and they resell them usually through Amazon on fulfillment by Amazon, and uh, I, I just thought it was a pretty interesting article of how some people are are using Amazon. I was actually reading something online today about, you know, is Amazon destroying the retail industry and that Gap stores are closing? A lot, they're closing a lot of their stores, not all their stores. Victoria's Secret's closing some stores. JCPenney's closing some stores. Kmart Sears have had ongoing struggles it's just because of Amazon and online sales. But there are some entrepreneur, entrepreneurial people out there that have found ways to take advantage of Amazon and use it to their uh, use it to create their own businesses. Yeah, I thought it was a great article and very interesting. Of course, you talked about the challenges with the brick and mortar stores that are closing down because the online. Of course, Amazon's now making that even more prevalent. I guess is the right word. Uh, and then it was interesting to see that people are always, if they're creative, they can find a niche where they can make some money. And these guys are doing extremely well you know, based well, on the article. Right, and one of these guys uh, is Mike Reezy Resells Resendez, who... Uh, I like the name, although I had a hard time uh, pronouncing it myself. Well, you, you want to give it a shot? 
I think you did great. Okay. Well, if you go <laughs> and look for his YouTube channel, it basically, you know, it's like a big scavenger hunt. He's going into these big box stores. He's got a Bluetooth reader where uh, he knows where he can sell his products. If he can get it at a certain price, he, he can tell pretty quickly whether it's a profitable trip or not. Um, you know, and a couple of things that uh, he really emphasizes is really understanding your pricing dynamics. And, and also, there are some fees associated with fulfillment by Amazon where he, he gets rid of most of his stuff. So you, you just want to know the cost structure there. Uh, I think that's a key thing. You know, they came up with an idea, but they really had to then set up a business plan of how they're going to do it, not just buy stuff and say, okay, I'm going to be re- able to resell it to anybody mm-hmm. and make money right away. I mean, the key is it's like anything else. you got to have a, a set plan of how you're going to go about your business. Well, the other thing that I thought there was uh, important is, is make, making sure you can handle the cash flow implications and that you're going out, you're buying all this stuff. Uh, you know, maybe you're putting it on your credit card, but you're probably going to have to pay for it in 30 days. Or you're mm-hmm. going to start paying crazy interest. And how quickly can you sell it? So you might have to float it for a little bit. Right. So you want to make sure Very you've got point. the the cash got or the, the capital to make it work. Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't quit your day job uh, if you if you want to dip your toe in this. No, I think that's a good and that they kind of talk about how it's a way to supplement your income and different. All these guys are making good money, but I think mm-hmm. if you're going to get started, just think, well, I'm just going to try this, dabble in this. Apparently, the, uh, the the there was a fellow that wrote a book, Chris Green, is uh, discussing the article. Wrote a book called Retail Arbitrage. So. If it's something that you would like to uh, to uh, give a go or or, or see, see if it might be for you, uh, check out Chris Green's book. Uh, and I'm sure you can get that at Amazon as well, but it's called Retail Arbitrage. Or go uh, uh, look at uh, Reezy Resales on YouTube, and then you'll, then you'll get a real taste for it. But uh, you never know. You never know where your next yeah. business idea yeah, is going to come from. So, I think it's so a great it's a one. example of people trying to find a, a niche for their business and uh, or a supplemental business, and it's it was really interesting to me to see how well they were doing. Okay, well, let's uh, listeners check it out. We we want to introduce our guest uh, to the Entrepreneur Exchange. We're fortunate to have Joshua Lysak with us today. Joshua, how are you doing? I'm very well, thank you very much. Glad to be here. Joshua is the founder of a business called the Entrepreneur's Wordsmith LLC, Ohio's first and only certified ghostwriter. He is a multiple number one international best-selling ghostwriter, a TEDx speaker, and a leading authority on author voice authenticity. Since 2011, he's ghostwritten nearly 40 books. He's achieved his own literary dreams, publishing multiple novels through independent publishing houses. And now he helps award-winning business owners, chief executives, coaches, consultants, inventors, investors, and goodness knows who else to launch books and establish their own personal brands and multiply their organization's revenue and promote their businesses through his ghostwriting business. Joshua, welcome. Uh, tell, us, tell us a little bit about uh, Entrepreneur's Wordsmith and, and your background. How did, how did you get started with this? Thank you. Yes, yes. Um, it is the good old-fashioned pivot. Um, you you uh, kind of stole the thunder a little bit, which is all cool. And that is that when I was uh, when I was a youngin, a youngster, uh, my big dream was to become uh, a published novelist someday. I was uh, I was inspired um, by I, I loved the Indiana Jones films when I was uh, when I was a kid, um, and I also you know enjoyed enjoyed the popular fiction uh, fantasy specifically. And so those 
early influences into my life made me want to be a, a novelist. And so what, like 90% of people want to be a, want to be an author, right? They want to write a book someday. And I was 17 when I started uh, writing my novels. And um, before I could legally drink, I had a publishing contract. <laughs> um, and so I got both of those, both of those uh, adventure thriller novels published. And while I was going about promoting those books, um, going speaking at conferences and whatnot, um, I was approached by some of my freelance uh, clients I had kind of on the side doing, you know, uh, copywriting and marketing strategy for, for small businesses. And they would say, you know, Joshua, we enjoy the product descriptions, the sales letters, the, the email marketing that you're putting together for us in our, in our business. But we want something that's going to build our authority in the industry. And we're thinking it's going to be a book. Because that's where we can share all of our lessons, our techniques, our unique uh, selling proposition. It's been 300 pages talking about our USP um, as, as an entrepreneur, as a, as, a, as a business owner. And we're thinking you could help us because, well, your books are pretty good. We don't want to write novels. You know, we don't want to write fiction. But we want to write something that's page turning like a novel. And I'll tell you the truth, gentlemen, for the longest time, I said, no, thanks. I write my own book. Thank you very much. <laughs> but um, the inevitable pivot uh, occurred when I said, you know what? I'll, I'll help you. What's another book? Um, and that's almost 40. It's, I'm almost 40 books later since I finally said yes. Um, and it's so rewarding to help other authors do exactly what I did, which was not write one, but two books um, and then help. I help them get published and fulfill their own literary dreams. And it's, and it's more than just, hey, you got a book now, that's great. But they have a tome, a masterpiece. They get to say, I wrote the book on my industry. And that credibility, that demonstrable expertise is what builds their authority and opens those doors of opportunity, whether that's they want more investors, they want uh, to increase their prices and, and be able to justify that with authority they have, perceived authority. Um, they want to convert more customers. They want to use their book to uh, get more clients, use it as kind of a sales tool or a, a, you know, a marketing tool. There's so many ways to use, um, use a book. And so when authors are coming to me, they're not necessarily saying it's all about the book. It's the book is the means to the end. Or, you know, means to the ends, rather. Um, and, and, and being a business savvy guy, before I even started ghostwriting, I thought, you know, I, I think I can, I think I could try my hand at this. And so um, it's, it's been quite a journey in the entrepreneur's wordsmith. Um, it, it's, it's grown successfully wildly over the last um, eight years now, so much to the point that my wife's been able to join the business. She's the vice president of the company. And I always joke that um, our nine month old son is our unpaid intern. <laughs> Well, yeah, you're, you're, I, I suspect you're paying him. He's he's probably taking a lot of money out of the business. I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure about that, Joshua. But uh, so so now, uh, I you know we we had the opportunity to speak a little bit uh, you know before before we uh, taped and and you know and it, and it really got, I really got the sense that uh, people use the books that you write for them as as a marketing tool, as you were saying, and a really uh, as a way as as you say to 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 establish their credibility or authority uh, for a particular industry. But, but before we go there, you're, you're a certified ghostwriter. How, yes. how does one become certified in ghostwriting? 
Yes, so there's only one academically sponsored ghostwriting training program on the planet, and it's at California State University, Long Beach. Uh, It's a master's degree level educational credential that basically if you go through this this program, uh, and I will be the first to say, I I went into this program having a lot of experience. Probably the most difficult thing I've I've done in my my life, you know, my professional life, uh, I I would say, in in terms of how high the, the standards of the program are. From what I recall, they said the the actual dropout rate is over fifty percent. As in, fifty percent of people are like, hey, the, the ghost, professional ghostwriting is just not your thing. Because ghostwriting is is not just being able to write well. Which you know, there's tens of thousands of freelancers who can spell properly that you can work with if you just want a freelance writer. But a certified ghostwriter is someone who is able to communicate in the voice of anyone that they're working with, whether that person has um, let's say an educator's vocabulary and being in academia, they they speak in a certain way to communicate in terms of facts and figures and processes. There's some people that are that are high energy serial entrepreneurs. They're bouncing off the walls and you need to be able to capture their voice and communicate like them. Um, and so I, I think of ghostwriting as acting in print, where it's my job to act so to speak, um, as my client on the page. And so it's a combination of, of um, business communication and, dare I say, theatrical uh, you know, acting as well, which I, I have professional acting experience myself. So I think that probably helps. Um, and then the business of publishing and, and what it is that different markets of readers want. Because even if you have a freelance writer who, who helps you write together a good book, is anybody going to want to buy it? Is it more than just um, something that builds up your ego? Does it actually build your authority? So there's a lot of questions that you have to be able to answer uh, for every single client. And so it's that uh, that program through Cal State, I think, is a, it was a great step for me um, to take my, my ghostwriting to the next level, so to speak, with that that industry cred. So, so you, you were telling us earlier that you have clients – in, in South Africa, you know, th- throughout the world, or you're, you're talking to people throughout the world. And, you know, when, when you embark on a, a project to, to write a book with somebody, for somebody, I mean, tell us, tell us just a little bit about the process. I mean, it must take some time on your part to, un- to, to understand their voice as well as the content or, or substance of their industry. Yeah, I'm really interested oh, in the courses that you took. How they train you to do that? That's got to be a, that's a real skill and talent. Yeah, yeah, I definitely I, I, I like to think so. I mean, there, there's a process. I'm, I'm definitely a process oriented guy. We have um, we have operations management systems that do fantastically for us and enable us to take on quite a few clients at a at a time compared to other ghostwriters who were like one off folks. Um, but the process is the same. But every author is different, as you as you alluded to. Their industry is different. Their voice is different. Their objectives are different. I like to think that a book is the key that opens any door of opportunity in your industry for you as an, an entrepreneur. And there's different doors that people want to open. Some people want to open the door of more media exposure. All right, then we'll write the, the book so that it's geared towards being something that has uh, um, not just credibility, but there's urgency. To it, there's this is a topic everybody needs to know about right now, and so that's the that's the spirit of the book. So it's angled towards people who are looking for that um, that exciting hook, that headline, that story that no one else has covered yet. There's other authors that say, "Hey, I want to use this book to 
I want to mail a copy to potential clients. I want them to call me and send and, and, and book me. And I want to sell a million dollar contract on the spot, you know, using this book. I have clients. That's that's what they do. And so the objective for them is to, um, I guess you could say, explore every avenue of what their expertise is. What are everything that their clients would need to know to be able to work with a company like them? So in those two cases, totally different styles, totally different book um, takeaways. Uh but it all comes down to what your what your objectives are, and the ghostwriting process really does start with. I like to think of it as a Venn diagram. So imagine you've got you've got two circles on the, on a page. There's a little overlap in the middle. The left circle. This is everything that you, as an entrepreneur, you could write about. There's a lot. There's like a hundred books <laughs> just right there in that one circle. That's on the left circle. The right circle of the Venn diagram is what your market wants to read. What is the demand for? What do they love about other books in your book category, in your industry? What do they hate about those other books? What do they expect from books in that industry? What do they wish people would talk about that authors haven't talked about yet? And that overlap between what you could write about and what your readers want to read, what they're willing to pay for to read, that becomes your book outline, your book premise, your book idea. And from there, we flesh out each chapter one at a time on the topics that you could write about that also your uh, your, your readers want to, uh, to hear about. And that way you avoid writing something that just is all about you and your business. Oh, it's fun, it's interesting, it's exciting. But nobody cares. As <laughs> um, an example, I like to That would be them. mine. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, a, a, a client who's in the, the water treatment purification systems industry, um, if we were to write a book that's just, hey, leadership lessons from the water treatment purification systems industry. We're, we're waiting for that America one. Come on, Josh. We're all, we're, all, we're all chomping at the bit for that book. That sounds when, exciting. When will it be here? Not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys. Uh, so, but you somebody's know, interested in that. Um, that. That's kind of a narrow audience. If you are a leader – in an organization that um, that's in the water treatment purification systems industry, yeah, that's for you. But that's what three people, <laughs> uh, a dozen people. But the leadership lessons that this client, this author, has learned have broad application. If you lead anything, whether it is a Fortune 50 company or a Sunday school, a couple of examples of books that that do this really well, where Maybe you have a topic that's super industry specific and you're like, well, maybe I'll sell 10 copies to clients, but what about selling tens of thousands of copies, which I do have clients that do exactly that average 10,000 copies sold per month. And it's because they do something like this. Have either of you read the productivity book called the one thing by Gary Keller? Have not. I, I have not either, but we'll put it on our list. Yes. So there's probably more than a handful of, of uh, folks listening right now. You've, you've read this book, uh, The One Thing by Gary Keller, productivity book. So the book is all about how to identify the one thing you need to do in your schedule today and organizing your, your schedule, your, your routine around that one thing. And so that way you're not multitasking and splitting your time, you know, trying to do a hundred things at once. You're just doing one thing at a time. It's a great book. This, I mean, this, this book club's. Um, you know, of, uh, of, of homemakers on Facebook who talk about this book. There's Fortune 500 companies that do trainings and hire the author as a, as a keynote speaker. 
I mean, there's universal appeal. But the examples throughout the book of how to be productive using his the author's model, Gary Keller's model, are all in the real estate industry because Gary Keller is the co-founder of Keller Williams Realty. Ah. So every real estate agent on the planet needs to read that book because of the application, how it's going to help them sell more homes to more people or, or you know, work with buyers or uh, whatever the case may be. So that's a, a, a more known example of how to communicate and be the authority on your industry, but also have a book that anybody can read. Like I said, whether you, know, whether you want to be pro- more productive um, as a CEO of a Fortune 500 company, or you want to be more productive in your classes uh, as a student. Well, you know, and, and Gary and I, since we work at a community college, are involved in academia, so we don't read a lot of books, but we, we <laughs> you know, that's, that's now on our list. But when you and I spoke before, you talk a lot about authority building as, as sort of a brand building strategy and, and how people can use the products that you're creating to assist them in, in authority building, which, which uh, can be a very powerful marketing tool. So I want to talk to, talk to our listeners a little bit about uh, authority building, you know, what it is and, and how they can uh, you know, use, use a book to assist them in, in building that authority. Right, right. So authority building, simply defined, is efforts that you undertake in order to be perceived as an authority. So if you're an entrepreneur, chances are you're already an authority, whether people know it or not. You have the experience, you have the expertise, you have the street cred, so to speak, so, um, that you know what you're talking about. You so produce great products. As, as, an, as an example, like if I was a master negotiator and wanted to write something like about the art of making deals or something like that, I could hire a ghostwriter. Never to heard that me. before. Yeah, just a thought. That, that, that could be one way to do it. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that, that could be. A, that's a good book idea. I'll have to. I'll have to see if. Uh, yeah, you can use that idea. one. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah. So that's an example where the idea is you're already the authority. But does it matter if? I guess I would use the uh, the analogy. Um, if an authority calls themselves an authority and no one's there to hear them, is that person actually an authority? You know, did the tree fall in the, the tree forest? tree falling in the forest. You see where that, that meta, meta, metaphor is going. Mm-hmm. So the idea of authority building is to bring more people into the forest to hear the tree fall, so to speak, or to demonstrate your credibility. Um, it is to share your expertise with as many people as possible. And a book is this mass market literary product that builds authority better than just about any marketing strategy or, or personal brand building, promotional um, opportunity or tactic or platform available. So, for example, let's just compare a book to some of the other things that people are doing to, you know, be, a, be the kind of the go-to entrepreneur in their space or the go-to business owner services provider. I mean, people, people you know, they set up social media accounts. They do a lot of email marketing and newsletters. They uh, have a blog. Maybe they run some webinars. They do some traditional media like, uh, oh, maybe commercials or radio or billboards. Well, each of these, unfortunately, is, for the most part, short-form content, like uh, you know, a, sh- a social media post. There's not a lot of substance you can communicate in one social media post. Its lifetime is also very short, like less than a day, less than a few hours for tweets, for example. 
I see people spending ridiculous amounts of time trying to get known as an authority on you know Twitter or on their blog. They have hundreds of subscribers on their blog. Whoop de doo. They have you know five five people who follow them on on Twitter. That's just not the type of, of broad appeal that you're that you're looking to uh, to get. But with a book, you have potentially millions of potential readers of that book, and also for longevity. I have books on my shelf that were published 20, 30 years ago. I glance at that person's name probably what a hundred times a day. You know the books that are on my my bookshelf next to my desk. With an email newsletter, I see it once. I skim the headline. That's it. You know, maybe it went to my spam filter. I never saw. I never saw it. Yet there's so many, so many people investing a lot of time in you know blogging and newsletters or in or in print media that just gets tossed into the trash, in an attempt to build an authority with the public or with their industry if they're B two B. So the question that a lot of my clients ask themselves and find me because they're asking is, I want to be the authority on this, as if people recognize that I'm the authority. But how, what is the best way to do that? I've tried the emails and the webinars and this and that, but it's not the substance that I'm looking to, to get. I want to be the go-to person. When people think of my industry, I want them to think of my name or my company, our brand, our products. And the book is the number one best way to, uh, to do that. It's the one authority-building strategy that existed almost 500 years ago. It exists now. And probably will exist 500 years from now where the future of email is probably going to be telepathic communication. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I, you know, I guess for any marketing strategy, you, you know, people think ultimately are going to think about it in terms of return on investment or ROI, yes. you know, so when, when you speak with clients about uh, what sort of returns they can expect uh, from going down the process of, of creating a book, developing a book, having a book, you know, what, what are ways that uh, you know, clients could anticipate getting a return on the investment that they're making in, in developing a book? How will they use it and, and what sort of returns will they get? Right, right. That, that answer is, is personalized for, for every author. I have a great resource, free resource, no, uh, no sign-up or anything required on my website called, uh, called a Book Revenue Calculator. That based on your business size, the audience you may already have, the products or services that you offer, you can calculate. If you launched your book today, what type of ROI would you get from your book? And the idea is, I, I like to borrow this, uh, this idea behind ROI for a book from Jay Conrad Levinson, who wrote Guerrilla Marketing. He said something to the effect of, when people ask me how much money I made from my book, Guerrilla Marketing, Jay Conrad Levinson says... I say $10 million. The book only paid me about $35,000 in royalties, he says. But the wide open doors, consulting fees, speaking gigs, product sales, and programs accounted for the remaining $9,965,000. So the idea is that a book, maybe it only sells 1,000 copies. But if you have an, a, a product that your book teaches people about, then you have an educated buying audience. And maybe that product is $50, maybe it's $5,000 if you're in high ticket sales. Um, and so that book is now, um, it, it allows for exponential um, revenue opportunities. For an example, uh, I have one client who she 
and I think it was it was just about a year um, after the launch of the book, she calculated a seventy x return on her investment, as in seventy times the money she put into it. That's what she got out of it. Um, and we looked at the statistics to see, or the metrics rather, of, of readers to find out what was happening and how she got that. So she did sell quite a few copies. But what we saw happening when we looked at the Kindle metrics, we saw that people were reading the book about half, two thirds of the way through, and they were abandoning the book. They weren't reading it again. And we're like, what's happening? We realized that they stopped reading the book because they went and they bought her products. And so they, so they, they, they ascended inside of her business. They become repeat customers. So now maybe she sells a, you know, a paperback copy for 15 bucks. Well, that $15 buyer is now a customer. And of course, the psychology of pricing is that when you have someone who buys one product, they're upwards of 2,000% more likely to buy from you again. And so when you make that offer to buy your product or to join your high-ticket program or to become a client or to hire you for speaking, that second or third ask is so much easier. And they just ascend inside of, the, inside of your business with you. So your average customer value from uh, your from your book readers is a lot more than just what they uh, they, they spend on buying your your paperback um, or your ebook. Another great example is um, a digital marketing entrepreneur uh, down in Florida. He's estimating that his book is bringing in over a million dollars in revenue for his business. Um, and of course, again, the book's like the twenty bucks we listed it for. Um, so it's not he's selling what fifty thousand. Fifty thousand copies, but what's happening is that people are buying the book, saying, "Oh my goodness, I have to learn more about this. What's the next step?" And then they they buy his product um, from there. And depending on what type of industry you're in, that next step looks a little bit different. I've got a buddy who's in uh, uh, plastics uh, manufacturing. He sends a copy of his book to um, uh, to different associations in his industry. He, he calculated every time he he sends his book to one of these places to get to, to get to speak. Uh, he makes about $5,000. And he does that about 10 times a year. Well, there you go. Just from you know, haphazard, uh, haphazard uh, kind of effort putting this out there. But again, whatever your, whatever your opportunity is you're looking to, uh, to, to reach or to achieve or the door you're looking to unlock, chances are, as long as you're the actual authority, not, not some schmuck or frog, as long as you're the actual authority, then that door can open for you. Well, and and we'll sort of wind up uh, a little bit with uh, publishing these days. I, I, you know, we're, you know, we you you mentioned the books on your uh, bookshelf, and they're probably beautifully bound and and hardcover. But I suspect there are different ways that you go about publishing a book these days. How do you do? You, do you help people with that process, and and what are the avenues they can go down to actually get their book published? I do, yes. There's a couple of different paths that I that take authors uh, down, depending on what their um, depending on what their business model is. So there's traditional publishing, which is like you know big four, big five, like you know Harper Collins, Penguin Random House, the big publishing houses, you know that have offices in Sydney and uh, in Singapore and London and New York and L.A. and those types of those types of uh, those types of companies. The upside of traditional publishing tends to be brand reach or brand awareness because they have just so they, their supply chains are so so massive and their their um, ability to get the word out about your book is is quite quite uh, quite broad the problem is traditional publishers don't do much marketing for a book anymore um unless the uh unless the author 
uh, you know, is already a household name, so, they're not necessarily going to get a lot of support. So yeah, now what a lot good of from, good for Michelle Obama or, or somebody like that. Yeah, right. Me, Michelle, Michelle Obama, who already has that massive platform. So who tends to be right for traditional publishing are people who their business is their personal brand. They're an expert with a capital E. They're a public figure. You know, they're a household name. And so all they have to do is work with a certified ghostwriter, get that manuscript done, pass it off to their agent, and the agent sells it to a publisher, um, and that's that. And they're going to sell a whole lot of copies even if they don't do much, uh, much marketing. Um, that tends – traditional publishing doesn't tend to be best for entrepreneurs I found because most entrepreneurs want to have control in, inside of their business or the control over their, their destiny. And with traditional publishing, you're giving up a lot of control. You're giving up editorial control. You're giving up creative control. You're giving up timeline control. For example, if the publisher says, nope, we're removing that chapter. Nope, we're adding this chapter. Nope, we don't like you saying that. Nope, we don't like your worldview or, or your beliefs. We're going to cut those out of the book. Nope, we don't like your title. Then that's that's what you're going to face. And the trade-off for, for experts or for public figures, it pro usually uh, for if you're a public figure, um, the trade-off is, is worth it. And I have several clients who are experts or public figures um, and that works for them. I help them with the industry standard book proposal and the sample chapters. Um, and we have, we have great success going down that path, but for entrepreneurs who, you know, make up the, uh, the audience of uh, the entrepreneur exchange, I've developed a process that I call ghost publishing. That's a combination of self publishing and traditional publishing, specifically giving you the pros of both and eliminating the cons. I call it ghost publishing because ghost writing is where, you know, someone writes your book, you know, for you and your voice, it's all your ideas. You know, they do all the work. You take all the credit <laughs> with ghost publishing. Someone else does all the work. You take all the, the royalties, you know, the, 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 the profits from the book. Um, the benefits of self-publishing of course are you have total creative control and you have, um, you get all the royalties pro of traditional publishing is, is the is the is the, the promotion the brand awareness so we've combined both of those into ghost publishing where basically we set up an independent publishing business inside of your business including the the warehousing the shipping of books the production all of the people that you would want to work with inside of a traditional publishing model like a book publicist or someone who's an expert on author sponsorships of like bringing in a company like Disney or Costco or American Airlines to sponsor you as an author, give you $50,000, you know, to go on a speaking a speaking circuit for their uh, their regional conferences and doing workshops. We make that available to to authors uh, or we call them authorpreneurs um, as well. So that that path a lot of authors were finding want to go that route because they get the benefits of both traditional and self-publishing and the the cons are off the table. That was cool. Well, you know, it's interesting to, to hear about your business, both from, from a business perspective as well as a potential marketing perspective. So uh, it's sort of a, a nice treat for us and, and, and our listeners. Definitely. We appreciate it. We'll get back to your show in a moment. Just a reminder, you're listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. 
Find out more at themesh.tv and give us feedback on what you like. And now, as promised, back to your show. We always like to end our, our talks with our guests with our with our lightning round. If you're up for that, so, absolutely. Okay, and and actually, we have a we have a sponsor for our lightning round uh, this time. It's uh, our we're sponsored today by corn syrup. Yeah, if you like it in your beer, you're going to love it on your steak. Corn syrup. It's not just for your cheap beer any longer. So I'm going to try that this weekend. All right. Anyway, all right. You ready, Joshua? I sure am. All right. First question. Where's the place that you'd most like to travel to? So I've already been there, um, but I want to go there again. Um, so as well, I don't I don't think listeners could tell, but I have the fullest, reddest beard you've ever seen in your life. My wife's last name is Shaw. Put those together and we both have ancestry in, uh, associated with the Celtic people or uh, Ireland for, 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 for uh, you know, modern uh, modern language. That's where we went on our honeymoon. We went to Ireland and then over to England and then back to Ireland. So one of our kind of bucket list objectives is to buy a medieval Irish castle. All right. So that's cool. So, so, so your answer is Ireland and a medieval castle, correct? That's right. All right. Well, you know, this is a lightning round. You need to keep it to quick answers, okay? All right. So our next <laughs> okay. question is a hot dog a sandwich? Yes. Is it okay to wear socks with sandals? Only if you're over the age of 65 and have a net worth of $1.5 million or more. Good answer. Okay. Godfather or Star Wars? Star Wars. Favorite song to karaoke if you did such a thing? Hurdy Gurdy Man by Donovan. Do you prefer cake or pie? Whichever has more frosting. It's probably usually going to be the cake. And last question, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Teleportation. You're correct. Good answers. <laughs> Good job by you. Excellent. Joshua, if, uh, if our listeners want to find you, where should they be looking? Where, where, where can we find you out there? The best place would be my website, entrepreneurswordsmith.com. Entrepreneur is plural. Wordsmith is one word. Nothing crazy with Smith. It's not Smith with a Y-E. It's just entrepreneurswordsmith.com. I also have quite a, quite a bit of a following on LinkedIn as well. Joshua Lysak on LinkedIn. Sounds good. Well, Joshua, we very much appreciate you joining us today. And we, we always like to end uh, the Entrepreneur Exchange uh, highlighting a few small businesses that we've all come across. Joshua, do you have one that you'd like to, to share with our listeners? I would, yes. Yes, this small business is out of Chatham, Ontario, Canada. Short drive up, uh, up the interstate for me. The company is Pristansky Coaching. Uh, Heather and Kyle Prostansky uh, run this uh, this coaching business. Uh, it is a service provider um, for anyone who sells a high ticket product or uh, a service. A high ticket being over five hundred dollars for for the goods. So if you're in you know luxury goods, premium products, you offer um, done for you services. These are the people to talk to to help you not just have a higher conversion rate, but to scale your business sustainably. Prestansky Coaching, P-R-E-S-T-A-N, ski like skiing. Prestansky Coaching coaching in Chatham, Ontario. Sounds good. All right. <clears throat> look, look for him there. Gary, what's, uh, what's your small business of the month? 
My small business of the month is Plush Cuts of Hickory, North Carolina, which I learned about last week during your panel discussion with business leaders. I was so uh, taken by uh, David Williams, the owner, that I wanted to highlight his business, even though I know he's one of our city councilmen. I got to see him in action talking to our students and the community, and I was just so He gets it. I guess that's what I want to say. And that means he talks about work ethic and outworking the people and setting yourself apart by working hard and having creative ideas. And I thought it was just a great message for our students. His business is um, hair styling, and he also has products that he goes with it. But I really was impressed with him as a person as much as his business. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. And he's your guy. That's right. You can find, and I believe he's got a website that uh, plushcuts, P L U S H K U T Z. Dot com, I think. So I you think can that's find, correct. Uh, find him and his products there. And uh, my small business of the month. Well, last month uh, I went on a trip uh, to Asheville, North Carolina, and visited a uh, incubator called Hatch AVL, which helps scalable businesses grow in, in the Asheville region. And and while I was there, I met one of their businesses, which is called Plum Print, which is my small business of the month. And Plum Print takes all of your child's artwork, Joshua, you need to listen to this, drawings, macaroni, necklaces, everything else, and maybe the, your nine-month-old doesn't have a lot of drawings yet, but uh, he will. Uh, they digitize them, and they print them into a custom coffee table book. So instead of having a year's worth of your char- child's lovable art, you can actually create a book and uh, for your coffee table and you know, and maybe get rid of all that artwork. You just have the book, and you don't have all this artwork hanging around. But they digitize it. It's a full-service com- company. They make the process easy. It sends you a prepaid box, which you fill with the artwork. You ship it back. Once received, it's pre- professionally photographed and scanned. The photographs are edited and laid out in book form. A digital proof is sent to you for approval, and afterward, the book is printed and mailed to you. You can have the original artwork returned or they will dispose of it for you, whichever you prefer. They find that usually the first year people want the artwork back. Second time they do it, maybe not so much. The price of the process varies depending on how much artwork you send. Uh, It was created by a woman named Carolyn Lanzetta. She's one of the co-creators who was previously an equity trader at J.P. Morgan, and uh, she was a mom and, and found that she was drowning in artwork. So uh, she came up with this answer to come up with a custom book. Uh, co-founder Meg Raglan was also, uh, she was an editor at Women's Day, Family Circle Magazine, and uh, they started testing the product, uh, their concept in 2012, and now they've got about 20 people working for them. They've received over a million dollars in seed funding, and they've expanded their product line beyond books to include putting your kids' artwork on such things as calendars, note cards, even pillowcases, and even shower curtains. So, you know, if you want to Check them out. You can go to www.plumprint.com. So Joe Bob says check that out. We appreciate everyone listening. If you've got a suggestion for our Entrepreneur Exchange Small Business of the Month, you can email it to us at eexchange at themesh.tv. If we use it, you get an Entrepreneur Exchange prize pack. We want to thank uh, Joshua Lysak with Entrepreneur's Wordsmith for joining us today. Joshua, thank you so much. Thank you very much. We want to thank. Oh, absolutely! Thank we you. To, we want to thank the Mesh Podcast Network for hosting us. You can check out all the podcasts from the Mesh at themesh.tv. And uh, 
you can subscribe to us and many of the other podcasts there. So thank you uh, for listening, and we'll talk to you guys again in, in about a month. Take care. We'll be in the middle of the ACC tournament, maybe the NCAA basketball. And we'll have some March Madness for you. All right, take care. Take care. been listening to The Mesh, an online media network of shows and programs ranging from business to arts, sports to entertainment, music to community. All programs are available on the website as well as through iTunes and YouTube. Check us out online at themesh.tv. Discover other network shows and give us feedback on what you just heard.